championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com live postgame show. Your Lakers picked up, what's that called? A win! Something that they hadn't had in five games. Win 132-123, to high-scoring game against the Houston Rockets. We're going to break it all down. So if you're coming in live, you're joining us from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, welcome in. If you're listening to the podcast version of this after the fact, over on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever, make sure you do follow us there as well. Joining me tonight, Sean Davis. Sean, how are you doing, man? Doing all right. Doing a lot better because, yeah, I mean, I almost got not used to winning. I mean, that, that felt good. Um, but yeah, I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, it, it certainly feels good after, and I know people will say it's just the Rockets and absolutely right. You have to add that into any kind of analysis. It's not like you look at this, this game and say, Oh, everything is just fine in Laker land. No, no. I mean, they, they won. It was against the Houston Rockets. The Rockets are a bad team. So this doesn't mean everything's just fine, but it was a win. And after five losses in a row, it was important that they come out here, they get this done, and they snap the losing streak. And I thought, off the top, the big story from tonight, LeBron, the first time in his, in his career, starts at center and gets a triple-double. In fact, Russell Westbrook got a triple-double as well. We'll talk about him in just a minute. But LeBron James, first time ever in 19 years, starts at center, 32 points, 11 boards, 11 assists, 2 blocks, 11 of 19 shooting, 3 of 5 from 3 in 39 minutes. He is ridiculously good. Sean, what did you think about the new look Lakers, the new lineup with LeBron playing the center position? Yeah, offensively, there was just a lot more spacing. They ran a lot of really good stuff out of LeBron playing at the elbow, which freed up shots for Malik Monk, Carmelo Anthony. So obviously the spacing offensively was a lot better, probably some of the best we've seen all year. Um, but defensively, the Lakers were not good yep. defensively. It's just same same story, different night, really. Pick and roll defense. And it's really off the help side, um, which you guys watch some of the breakdowns. It's just the same things uh, that we've seen all year long from this Lakers squad defensively. Now, I do like that with LeBron at the five, you get him in the high post and you use him as a passer. He's one of, if not the best passer in the NBA. He is absolutely phenomenal. We saw the little behind-the-back pass to Avery Bradley, who has, throughout his career, been a smart cutter, made a very smart cut critical moment, got the great pass from LeBron James. So you can use him in moments like that on the offensive end of the floor. I thought defensively, there were a few moments where we missed Dwight Howard out there, where you missed seeing a big out there to contest at the rim, particularly the moments where we saw Carmelo Anthony matched up with Alperin Sengun. That was a tough matchup for Melo on the defensive side of the ball. That said, you know, Melo made up for that a bit with some of his shooting, some of his scoring on the other end. But Dwight was a healthy scratch here. So is this a path forward for the Lakers? Is this just what we should expect them to go to from here on out? Do you think this was a one-game thing? Where, where did you see? What did you see from uh, from this look? Um, I honestly don't think this is a one-game thing. Because, although LeBron's been excellent at the five, I'm thinking about when AD gets back. I still think Dwight's still going to be part of the rotation when Anthony Davis does eventually return from his MCL sprain. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's just kind of how it is now. Also, I'm not quite sure if Dwight's fully conditioned coming back from health and safety protocols. I know this is, what, his third game back, second that he's been uh, active. But, yeah, I, I'm not quite sure he's been, he's fully conditioned since 
uh, going down with that. But, yeah, when Anthony Davis returns, I still think Dwight Howard would be part of the rotation for sure. I think we see him back in the rotation tomorrow, right? Because you're, you're looking at Steven Adams and the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. I could very easily see them go back to Dwight Howard tomorrow. I think maybe it was just a matchup-based thing. I'm curious to see what Coach Fisdale says after the game. But the Lakers have been leaning more and more towards LeBron at the five in order to create more spacing, which isn't all that dissimilar from what we saw the Houston Rockets do a few seasons ago, trying to get the best out of Russell Westbrook. Speaking of which, I've got a few people in the chat saying, I've got people saying, give Russell Westbrook some respect. I've got other people saying, Russell Westbrook is leading the league in missed dunks. I see that one. I've got people saying Curtis Smith from Facebook said Westbrook too many turnovers. I feel like we kind of in game rode the Russell Westbrook roller coaster. You look at his stat line, not bad, right? Pretty, pretty solid, really. 24 points, 10 of 17 shooting, 12 boards, 10 assists. But then you look and you go, oh, two for six from the free throw line, seven turnovers, missed another dunk at a critical juncture in the game in the fourth quarter. How do we assess this performance from Russell Westbrook? Uh, I was I was actually thinking about that because I was eventually thinking about the 360 one that we'll get to later. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this was one of Russ's better games. Maybe I'm comparing this to the Christmas Day Nightmare or the Christmas Day Massacre or whatever. But <laughs> this was, uh, a, in comparison, a much better Russell Westbrook game. He had a triple-double, a lot less missed layups, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, obviously a good sign. But still some of the turnovers. I thought most of them, though were kind of, you know, trying to make it, – it wasn't a silly turnover, basically, um, which we've been grown accustomed to seeing Russell Westbrook make, those sillier turnovers. I thought I'm better off with Russell Westbrook making the aggressive turnovers, trying to make a, the pass, or maybe the defender makes a nice play. I'm, I'm way better off with that than the sillier eight turnover Russell Westbrook nights. Aside from, of course, the one where he just dribbled it off his foot. Yeah, <laughs> That was certainly a, a rough one. But, you know, I did like that after he missed the dunk, a couple minutes later, Russ had a similar opportunity. Split the defense, got into the paint, and laid it up and in. Thank you, yeah. Russell Westbrook, for making that adjustment. He wants to yeah. be that guy that he's been throughout his career that goes up, hammer dunks, gets all of the highlights everywhere. Everybody is going crazy. And more often than not, when he tries for that, he doesn't have it. He hits he the front of the rim, or in this case, he hit back rim. Just lay that thing up, Russ. Give us the points and let's move on. It's not because like he can't do it. It's just he's not as explosive as he was when he was twenty six. Uh, well, and I yeah. mean that, yeah. And then all the knee surgeries he's had. I know he has had one recently in like the past year or so, but the knee surgeries might be starting to add up, and he's just not twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight anymore. He's what thirty three now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the age thing is starting to catch up. Uh, Bruce Barnes from YouTube says, Trevor, in my opinion, the best part about this game from Russ was there were no loud defensive breakdowns. Yeah, I th- I think that there were some some real positive. There's some negatives too, and that's why I say this is the Russell Westbrook <laughs> roller coaster. But there were some positives in this game as well. Defensively, I thought we saw a more alert Russell Westbrook. There was a play uh, he got he got backdoor cut a few times, but you also saw him make the effort to make up for that. I thought he was very aggressive on the glass. And when the Lakers announced their starting lineup with LeBron at the five and technically Stanley Johnson, who we need to talk about in a minute, he was there four. I thought, okay, that's interesting. 
How are they going to deal with the boards, though? Because they've been a team that gives up a lot of offensive rebounds, and I thought Russell Westbrook did a really nice job in this game, making himself a factor on the glass on both ends of the floor. He did a lot of dropping down, a lot of moments where the Rockets were about to snatch an offensive rebound, and Russ came flying in and took it away from them. So his efforts on that side, in terms of just rebounding the basketball, did not go unnoticed, and I thought that was a big part to this game. Yeah, and I like the – I mean, I get the Rockets are a smaller team, mm -hmm. which kind of makes sense going small to match their size. But you out-rebound the Rockets 48-30, to 34-26 on the defensive glass, and 14-4 on the offensive yep. glass. I mean, that that's impressive no matter what team you're playing. Um, especially when the Lakers, like you mentioned brilliantly, the Lakers have really struggled on the glass on both sides this year. And Russ, I mean, he had another triple-double, and then LeBron had one as well. So it seemed like there was a conscious effort. So we got to – be phenomenal on the glass tonight yeah and that was again it was a good it, what we tried to do there's been a lot of rust criticism especially after his comments from yesterday there's been a lot of russell westbrook negativity yeah. that's been out there and after his performance against the brooklyn nets four for 20 shooting and, and all of that so what we try to do here is just call it like we see it so that's why i want to make sure that we give russell westbrook the credit for the things that he did well while at the same time we can discuss the things that he didn't do quite as well because really there's a lot of people out there that want to hear russell westbrook is bad or russell westbrook is is good right when yeah. in reality it's somewhere in between you can get good plays from him you can also get some just mind-numbing plays where where you just you want to punch a hole in your in your TV because you can be frustrated with with him. So the reality is that Russell Westbrook he can help you win games, but he can also hurt you, and so you just kind of have to take the good with the bad from him. Uh, we talked earlier today. I had my guy Mark Gunnels did a a video earlier today all about benching Russell Westbrook late in games. This was not the opportunity was not there to do that in this one because they had an eight-man rotation. And yeah. to pull Russell Westbrook meant you're closing with Darren Collison or, or someone like that, which obviously you weren't going to do. So Russell Westbrook, again, overall, thought he was just fine in this one, had a few mistakes that were, you know, typical uh, Russ mistakes, but this was not a total negative game from him either. Yeah, and I'm not opposed to the Russ, benching Russ thing. It's, I think you'd have to do it when Anthony Davis gets back because, I mean, especially now with all yes. the health and safety protocol stuff, it's just your rotation is really thin as is. But, I mean, like, if Malink Monk's back, well, Malink Monk gets back, I'm sorry. When Anthony Davis gets back, you could have him at the five. You can either put Melo at the four, LeBron mm -hmm. at the floor, four, and then Malik Monk, you can fill it out, Monk, Reeves, Ariza, whoever. I just think you have to wait till Anthony Davis gets back if you want to think about benching Russ. I think that that is a key, and I actually think it's Austin Reeves, it's yeah. Trevor Ariza. Those are the guys that you need because those are the guys where you can put in and you can kind of recreate the Lakers play from a couple of seasons ago when they won the championship where you can go to in the fourth quarter if you're worried about, okay, Russ is going to try to tear the rim off and instead of getting us two points, it's going to be the other team fast breaking. If he misses it, you're not going to get that play, but you're going to get Austin Reeves out there just playing steady defense, doing what he's supposed to do. Uh, Trevor Ariza making good plays out there. Guys who maybe aren't as dynamic as Russell Westbrook, not as aggressive in terms of attacking on the offensive end, but aren't going to make the mistakes either. And you let LeBron kind of run the show from that point. That may be something for the Lakers to look at. But um, but again, we'll see when that time comes. Yeah. Um, let me get into a few of the Super Chats here that have, that have come in. Appreciate all of you guys who have submitted those. Uh, Chris V said, LeBron showing AD how to play at the five. 
I mean, AD was there. He was on the bench watching. Uh, I, I liked LeBron's action out of the high post. I liked LeBron's aggressiveness going for blocks, things of that nature. AD and LeBron play the five very differently, though, because they're very, very different players just in terms of their skill sets. But, I mean, look, it, it, it would take... Is there anybody in the league that you could say couldn't learn something out of, out of seeing LeBron play their position and how he would handle it? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think so. So, yeah. That's not just an Anthony Davis thing. But I did think that some of the things LeBron did, eh, pretty pretty impressive from the center position. Uh, the Bird Print from YouTube said, The Lakers have always won going big. Playing small won't win a championship. Where's Jay Huff? Jay Huff, from what I understand, was with the South Bay Lakers. So they didn't even bother bringing him. And maybe this is a sign moving forward, right? You've got DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard both healthy, and neither one gets into the game. They're both DNP coaches' decision, and the Lakers go with an eight-man rotation. I think that's interesting, particularly when you're playing guys who Darren Collison hasn't played in a few years. Stanley Johnson, you just signed essentially off the street, right? He had been waived. Uh, and these guys are getting minutes over Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan. So perhaps this is the path forward for the Lakers. But I know they've won in the past going big, but this is a very, very different team. If they had just kept their guys from two seasons ago and kept rolling it over, and they suddenly decided to start going small, then sure, we could have plenty of question marks. We could say, why are you suddenly going against the grain? Why are you going against what has historically worked for this team? But this is such a different team. There's, It's probably going to take different solutions for the problems that this team has compared to the problems that the team two years ago had. Yeah, and DeAndre Jordan, I kind of understand him not playing. I mean, he he's not been good yes. for the Lakers when he has played, and he's kind of been taken out of the rotation slowly but surely. Uh, Dwight Howard, as we kind of already mentioned, that's kind of been the puzzling one. Why hasn't he played as much? But again, as you mentioned, I would not be surprised if he plays tomorrow against the Grizzlies on the second half of a back-to-back -back against a more physical and good Memphis Grizzlies squad. Tina Geeman said, and yes, I agree about Dwight potentially playing tomorrow. Uh, Tina Geeman says, Stanley was in the G League, Trevor. I know. He was with the South Bay Lakers. He got signed by the Chicago Bulls. Then he wound up in, in health and safety protocols. I understand the history of Stanley Johnson. I'm just saying, comparatively, he's not a guy that you went out and signed as though he had been you know, playing on an NBA roster for much of the season and you were able to snag him or something like that. He essentially came from the G League and you threw him straight in. In fact, he even started tonight. Fact, maybe this is time to just talk about him. Vaughn Jr. from YouTube with a super chat said, Hey, Trevor, who has to be let go for Stanley Johnson to stay on the roster? P.S. LeBron with the Magic Johnson start at center. Yes, Magic Johnson did this back in the day, starting for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the playoffs. In the playoffs, in a game that the, uh, the Lakers wound up winning. But uh, that was the early 80s. So let's talk a little bit about Stanley Johnson. Before we get into who you would drop to keep him, Sean, what did you see from Stanley Johnson tonight? Same thing you kind of saw from him in against that Nets game, too, where he could really switch onto a guard. In that game, it was James Hart tonight. It could be either Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., whoever, and just really do his best in the ball screen scenario or just in an isolation scenario against Brooklyn. He was phenomenal on James Harden. He stripped him a few times. Even if you don't get the steal, it delays the possession for them, and the shot clock just keeps running. So now they have to maybe force mm -hmm. up a jump shot. Um, he's just been phenomenal on both ends. There, there was another ball screen scenario at one point in the game where the Lakers unfortunately play a lot of drop coverage, and you need the – we uh weak side guy to come over and help to at least dissuade the big from getting a layup because the 
if like if they put Melo in and Melo can't leave mm-hmm. until Russ or whoever's guarding the ball handler gets back in front. So Staley Johnson was phenomenal on the help side as well today. So he's just been what everything. I mean, we talked on the last live show I was on. We need more Trevor Reese's. They got another one in Stanley Johnson. Yeah, I really liked what we saw from him defensively. He's sometimes over aggressive and sometimes he can get some rough calls, but yeah. he can be a little bit over aggressive to the point where he picks up some fouls. But in general, aside from Austin Reeves, I don't think that you see another player on the Lakers that plays defense the way that Stanley Johnson does, at least not that has some size to him. Avery Bradley occasionally doesn't have that size to him, though. He's 6'2". Stanley Johnson has that physicality. He's he's a star, he's a sturdy guy. He's got the ability to slide his feet and stay in front of his man. We saw multiple times tonight where the Houston Rockets tried to beat him off the dribble and couldn't. They did get by him a few times. Eric Gordon was able to get by him a couple of times. But for the most part, he did a really nice job containing the drive from the perimeter. And then even on the offensive end, we saw a couple of really nice plays from him. He had the the baseline spin up and under reverse and one. Had some really nice moments on the offensive end of the floor as well. Of course, the knock on him has been the three-point shooting. 0-4 from three tonight, but five boards, two steals. Uh, I'm sorry, two assists, one steal, nine points. And defensively, I thought he was really good. Played 32 minutes tonight. So I guess that all leads us to the big question. Is Stanley Johnson here to stay? And I I think we need to be careful here because it's only two games. We've only seen two games of him so far. But if we get the version of Stanley Johnson that we've seen for the last two games, let's just assume going forward, this is who he is. Do the Lakers need to find a spot for him? Yeah, absolutely. The Lakers have been desperately in need of a point of attack defender, which you have talked about all year. Every, Pretty much everybody on Lakers Nation staff has talked mm-hmm. about the need of a point of attack defender. I, I get it now. Ariza's back. But I mean, you cannot, I mean, that's only one guy, and he needs to rest every now and then, too. So, yeah, I think you have to find a way to keep Stanley Johnson. Does that mean you're – I mean, th- th- the obvious guy to cut would be DeAndre mm-hmm. Jordan. That's the easiest one. Um, cause I mean, then after that, you're looking at maybe Kent Bazemore. Yeah. So those are probably the two first prime candidates in my opinion. Particularly we can talk DJ if the Lakers have decided going small more often is what they want to do. If that's the case, if it's LeBron's going to be the five, we're going to play small. We even saw Carmelo Anthony at the five, which we'll talk about that in a bit. But if the plan moving forward is more often than not, we're going to go small. There will be some times where we're going to need another big. Well, that's where you go, okay, Anthony Davis, when he gets healthy, Dwight Howard, you've already got him to throw in there as well. Maybe DeAndre Jordan is the guy that you move on from in order to keep Stanley Johnson because I do think they need what he brings. They've lacked that perimeter defender to the point where I'm already thinking, gosh, what happens when you combine Stanley Johnson and Austin Reeves? What happens when you put the two of them on the floor together? Both of them so good at sliding their feet, both of them so good positionally, and you add Ariza to that mix. My goodness, when you need a stop, you would have actually, for the first time this season, a legit five-man core that could get stops that has the ability to slide and stay in front on the perimeter i think that is really interesting like in my head lebron ad reeves you've got ariza and stanley johnson Johnson. if you need a stop that's not a bad unit to turn to yeah for sure and it looks like most of the chat agrees with me that that stanley johnson should 
stick around with the Lakers. Uh, I am still grabbing the Super Chats, but let's get into the 360 award. So obviously, Anthony Davis still out due to that knee injury. But Sean, uh, between Russell Westbrook and LeBron James, which one was the best tonight? Who gets the award? Well, I think the chat is going to agree that it's LeBron. Not saying Russell Westbrook didn't have a good game by his standards, at least over the past couple of games in comparison to this one. But it, the answer is LeBron. They, again, he was just so good as that at the five. You see him at the elbow. He's a really good passer from the elbow. We already mm-hmm. knew that, though. Um, and then, again, him hitting threes is great as well. And another triple-double for him as well. This is, what, fifth straight 30-point performance. And, yeah, it's, it's LeBron for me. I think the chat is yeah. nice, even though Russ there's There's no debate. There's no debate. Russ, again, Russ had a few down moments. LeBron had a bad turnover and a pocket pass. He tried to throw their Stanley Johnson. But other than that, LeBron played much more mistake-free basketball. And, and he yeah. was just phenomenal. Again, 11 for 19 shooting, 32 points, 11 boards, 11 assists, 2 blocks. It's got to be LeBron James, and that's not to say this was a bad Russell Westbrook night. I don't think that's the truth, but LeBron James is coming. Yes, we have seen worse than this from Russell Westbrook. Uh, Tonight, I I thought Russ was overall a positive for for the Lakers. Still made some mistakes, right? Some things that you would like to clean up, but overall a positive. LeBron James, though, was excellent tonight, and so, uh, so he gets the 360 award, and I don't think there's a whole lot of debate there. All right, let's get into a few more of these super chats. Uh, Alex said Stanley Johnson's a very good buy. Happy with him. Yeah, and again, I would just caution that we were also talking about how good Isaiah Thomas was two games in, and then the next two games he completely fell to pieces, and we saw some really rough shooting performances, and now he's not with the Lakers anymore. So we just need to keep in mind that this is a small sample size with Stanley Johnson. However, I will say that defensive intensity... Right, the, the the defensive reads that he's making, those are more sustainable than say a hot shooting performance from like Isaiah Thomas would be. Yeah. So I think this is what Stanley Johnson is in terms of the defensive side of the floor. But again, I would just caution everybody that it's only two games. So let's not let's not just assume that this is what he's going to be moving forward. I feel pretty good about it, but just we just got to throw that little disclaimer in there. Yeah, somebody mentioned, let's see how he plays tomorrow. I do agree tomorrow is kind of like a big yes. game uh, because of the guards that Memphis does have, though, like they have to guard, whether it's John Morant or Desmond Bain, mm-hmm. who's been phenomenal for him this season. Uh, he's going to have a big task no matter who it is. So, yeah, tomorrow's going to be a big, a good benchmark for him. Definitely don't want to fall down the Isaiah Thomas rabbit hole and just say we got to sign him now, although Stanley Johnson's been phenomenal defensively, defensively yes, for him. absolutely. Um, Sebastian from YouTube said the Grizzlies, Blazers, Timberwolves incoming three game losing streak and then into Hawks twice, 76ers, Heat, Nets and Jazz all in January. Uh, Will January be the end? The the Lakers schedule is going to get more difficult. There's no getting around that. I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed and hopeful that they can pull off some wins in a few of these games. I'm also hopeful they start to get some guys back. Uh, We've hit about the 10-day mark for Austin Reeves for health and safety protocols. There was some optimism that he might be able to join the team on this road trip. So hopefully his return's not too far away. That's where they'll be able to withstand some of this. Hopefully, again, fingers crossed, health willing. 
they might be able to pick up a few wins here and there. The Grizzlies obviously will be a tough one. Beat uh, the Suns last night at the buzzer on a great shot by John Morant. Uh, the Blazers yeah. seem to usually play well against the Lakers, although they haven't had a phenomenal season, but they tend to play well against the Lakers. And the Timberwolves beat the Lakers just recently. So the schedule is not easy. Yeah, so it's not going to be easy by any by any means, but I um, have to hope that they can figure out a way to get the job done. Yeah, these next eight are very big for the Lakers. You have Memphis twice, uh, the Kings twice as well, I believe, along with Atlanta, who just hasn't been as good so far this year. They've been banged up, but still. Um, and then obviously t- Minnesota next week. So this is this is a very big uh, eight-game stretch going into that. February is even worse. You have Golden State yeah. a couple times in that month. Uh, it seems like they play on primetime every game as well in February. So these next eight are crucial for the Lakers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Going to be critical that they pick up every win that they can. You have to stack up as many wins as possible right now if you're the Los Angeles Lakers. Any opportunity you get to grab one, we can't see any more of those games where they just kind of let a win slip away because the schedule is yeah. going to get that much more difficult. All right, let's see. So that challenge was a big swing. That was a huge swing, that challenge call. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was the right call, but, I mean, you don't get that call and you're – Maybe the outcome's a little It different. was kind of ironic that LeBron was arguing, arguing so vehemently that he did not block the shot. <laughs> now, I, <laughs> I will tell you, the one thing that, that bothered me about that play, though, the play ends with the ball in the Lakers' hands. I want to say it was maybe Avery Bradley or somebody was standing there and grabs the ball, right? They challenged the play after the ref called it a basket. They challenge the play, and then it turns into a jump ball at midcourt when the challenge is ruled successful. Now, the Lakers got the ball on the jump ball, so everything worked out okay, but the NBA needs to look at that. That should just be Lakers' ball. I know technically when the whistle blew, the ball was on the backboard, but there nobody was there. Nobody was around. Actually, I think when the whistle blew, the ball was in the Lakers' hands, but... There was no other Houston player around to grab that rebound. It was clearly going to be a stop for the Lakers, assuming that the the whistle didn't blow. It was an obvious play where the Lakers were going to get the ball. And then that, even though they won the challenge, Houston might have gotten the ball back. I think that's something that the NBA needs to look at because they are just ruling that anything that isn't at the conclusion of that play, anything that isn't in somebody's hands, it automatically becomes a jump ball when very clearly that was going to be a rebound for the Lakers. So something to look at. Yeah. Um, Fizdale, I've got Ice Cold Matt. Fizdale is more active and sound than Vogel. I, I don't look at. I, mean, I don't look at this and, and say this stretch of Fizdale coaching is evidence that the Lakers should get rid of Frank Vogel. I mean, we, the Lakers have lost the last five games, so uh, there's things that I like about Coach Fizdale. He's very, very personable. Um, says some great things in his interviews and things. I'm not saying Frank Vogel isn't. I do like Coach Bisdale, but I won't say that the Lakers suddenly look much better with, with him at the helm. I don't I don't think this stretch without Vogel has in any way cemented the notion that Vogel should be gone. Yeah, I, I think it's actually done the exact opposite of that. Um, Fizz, Fizz has been fine. I think we saw a little bit better, uh, some more offensive creativity with Fizz since Frank Vogel's been gone. But, yeah, I think the it's been a rough week, a rough five games or so for the fire Frank Vogel crowd. Um, really quickly, it's a comment saying about how the Lakers need more cutters. Uh, Avery Bradley got a couple easy ones just by cutting. Uh, yeah, cutting is a very underrated aspect of a player, and Avery Bradley's a really good cutter. Uh, 
Wayne Ellington's kind of a really good cutter too. So yeah, I mean, really good underrated part of a player's game is their cutting ability and screening ability. And that's something that we we talked about with Avery Bradley when he first joined the Lakers a couple seasons ago. That yeah. was something that he can provide. Three point shooting is kind of iffy with him, but he does have the ability to uh, to hit those um, and get those cuts going. All right, let's see. Let me get into a couple more of your comments. We do need to get into the Next Man Up Award as well. I've got some people saying Vogel is way better. Somebody said no win without Stanley's defense. Yeah, that's that's certainly uh, an argument that you can make. I thought he was pretty good defensively tonight. Uh, Jason said, can we acknowledge how of late Mello has been going after the ball rebounds and defensively giving effort again leading the win with plus minus uh great with lebron and monk yeah look i mean i think that's been one of the pleasant surprises for me of the season is Melo's effort on the defensive end of the floor now, that doesn't mean that physically he's a super capable defender or that he's the best rebounder in the world or anything like that but i feel like you're getting his best i don't feel like when we're watching carmelo anthony on defense in any way, any kind of deficiencies there or a lack of effort on his part? Yeah, again, Mel's not a good defender. Let's not say he is. But like you just said, like I think that chat, Super Chat just mentioned, his effort defensively has kind of, you know, let you forget that he's not the best defender. And then it helps when he drops, what, 25 points tonight? 24. So, the Kobe. Yeah, 24, yeah. Monk had 25. Yeah, yeah he had the um, Kobe. Uh, 24, 9, 9 and 15, shooting 4 of 8 from 3. Uh, he was very, very solid and two blocks. This was a nice performance from him. I do worry, though, that that you're asking this much from Carmelo Anthony at this stage of the season. Now, there's no other choice right now. They're just down so many players. But I don't think yeah. heading in, the ideal situation was Carmelo Anthony playing nearly 30 minutes uh, on, on any given night. I think, I think in that way, you'd probably get even more out of him defensively if you saw fewer minutes for him. But right now, the Lakers are just in a position where that's not that's not really possible. Yeah. All right, let me see. Let, actually, let's do the next man up, since we just talked about Carmelo Anthony. So the next man up award. So that goes to a player who's not a star. So not LeBron, not Russell Westbrook. Who was it that we thought stepped up the most? And chat, let us know. Coming in from YouTube, from Twitter, from Facebook. Who gets the next man up award out of all the players on the team? Who do you think contributed the most out of the non-star caliber players? So go ahead and sound off. I'm I'm seeing your responses go through here. Sean, let me know your thoughts on uh, on this uh, on this. Who should get the next man up award? I think I'm going to agree with the most of the chat. Anyway, I'm go I'm going to go with Malik okay. Monk. Carmelo Anthony was great, but. Malik Monk, his just microwavable scoring ability to kind of give LeBron a break. Just, I mean, not say isolation is the best, but Malik Monk can create for himself off the dribble. One of the very few guys that can do that on the perimeter that's not named LeBron James on this roster. Uh, even with Anthony Davis there, I mean, you want AD lower on the block than on the perimeter. Mm -hmm. So this kind of gives LeBron James a break. You have a guy that can create for himself and knock down shots on the perimeter in Malik Monk. And then he also has 25 points. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Malik Monk. I think you can make an argument for Carmelo Anthony. I think you can definitely make an yeah. argument for him. But I will agree that the Malik Monk would be my guy, too, that I would that I would pick for the next man up. He just, he's got bounce. 
He's got that, that, you know, yeah. he's just got that bounce to him. He's got that energy to him. Part of it is he's 23 and on a team full of older guys that stands out. But Malik Monk, 23 years old, he can get his own shot. Like you were mentioning, he's pretty solid attacking closeouts too. If he's got to get into the paint, yeah. he's good. There finishes in the paint fairly well. When he has the opportunity, he can really get up and throw down. We saw a fantastic dunk from him tonight and he's got the ability to go in there and just score points. And like you said, for a Lakers team that's going to rely a lot on LeBron James, a lot on on Russell Westbrook, particularly with Anthony Davis out, it's important that they've got somebody else out there that can just put the ball in the basket. Now, Melo, of course, chipped in with 24, but 25 for tonight for Malik Monk and two blocks. You don't normally see that from him. He's also a good free throw shooter, hit eight of eight from the line tonight. I think Malik Monk has been tremendous. I mentioned this on Twitter. I said that there's been plenty of just criticism about the Lakers roster construction this season. Malik Monk is not in that category. Malik Monk on a veteran minimum is a steal. We said it at the time during the offseason. We thought that was a steal, and he is only proving that to be true. He has been very, very good this season. In fact, he might even be too good to the point where I don't know if the Lakers are going to be able to afford to keep him after this season, but he has been excellent. Again, 40 minutes tonight, 25 points, 7 of 14 shooting, added a couple of blocks as well. Great night from Malik Monk, so he gets the award for me. Yeah, and also a lot of Mellows, not saying Malik Monk does get a fair share of his points off of catch-and-shoot opportunities, but Mellows primarily a catch-and-shoot shooter and maybe you know, can go one dribble off the closeout and shoot a midi. But for the most part, that's Carmelo. Malik Monk, we've seen him in this game and all season have the ability to create for himself off the bounce. So, yeah. Um, Aaron MC said, don't overlook Stanley and Avery together. Yeah, that's actually a combo that uh, Coach Fisdale talked about yesterday in our media availability. He was pretty excited about seeing what Avery Bradley and Stanley Johnson could do. Now, he didn't say he was going to start the two of them together. That was a surprise. Um, Avery Bradley just coming off of health and safety protocols, didn't play in the previous game because they're waiting for him to kind of ramp things up, but apparently got a good practice in yesterday. And, uh, and so they went ahead and started him, started Stanley Johnson and Avery Bradley together. And that's an interesting defensive unit as well. You know, if nothing else, they're going to bring the energy. Uh, I still am curious to see what Austin Reeves looks like in that mix, what Trevor Ariza looks like in that mix. But I think if you've got, say, those four, that gives you the opportunity to now at all times have a couple of solid perimeter defenders on the floor for you. Now, you can question, sure, the shooting of Stanley Johnson and, and Avery Bradley and things like that. But defensively, the Lakers have needed guys who can defend. And you know this, Sean, when you are putting together a defense, it takes one poor defender sometimes to, to have the whole thing fall apart. Defense has to be five guys on a string. The Lakers frequently are putting two, three poor defenders on the floor together. With the guys they've got now, you add Stanley Johnson to the mix, hopefully a healthy Trevor Ariza soon. That gives you the possibility of putting out there a positive defensive unit, and I'm excited about that. Yeah, I was actually, actually, Trevor, I was thinking of this lineup in my uh -huh. head. We might actually see this lineup because Anthony Davis is out for the foreseeable future. Um, a lineup, this would, when Ariza and HBK get back, Malik Monk, uh, this likely be the closing lineup, but Malik Monk, Austin Reeves, Trevor Ariza, Melo, and LeBron at the five because they're obviously running a lot mm -hmm. of LeBron at the five now the AD's out. Uh, this will likely be a lineup in the fourth quarter to give Russ a break, but I, what, what do you think about that one? I was just thinking I about like that. it. I like. I think it's pretty. It's somewhat reliant on, on Melo to be able to shoot that three, but I think he can do that. So I, I do I do like that. 
I like that. Um, oh, somebody mentioned uh, music from YouTube. LeBron James, now the youngest to reach 36,000 points at 36 years and 363 days old. That's right. We're a couple of days away from LeBron's 37th birthday. Malone and Kareem were almost 40 when they did it. How many points can LeBron get in his career? Uh, LeBron can lead the NBA in points. That yeah. can that can happen. And that's a record that we looked at as one that would probably never fall. Um, but I think, and I'm going to look up the exact number right now, but I firmly believe that LeBron James can and will lead the NBA in total points scored by the time he calls it quits. Yeah, also, how many more years is LeBron going to play? Is he going to play 20 more years? Is he going to play two yeah. more years? Like, <laughs> I mean, okay, so Kareem has 38,387 points. So LeBron is... 2300 points away from from catching kareem essentially i mean i he he can definitely get there i did the math on it a while ago it was probably about a year ago i did the math on it now he's been injured since then so i have to go back and look i think the way i mapped it out he would have been able he was on pace to catch kareem next season uh, but again injuries and things obviously can derail that so i'll have to go back and do the math again and, and see but I, I think this is a very attainable goal for LeBron James, and I, I really think, health willing, he is going to lead the NBA in, in total points scored before he calls it quits. Yeah. I, I think we all just kind of got to get prepared for that. I hope it happens in L.A. I don't want that to happen in a road yeah. game. It should happen in state. Wait, no, crypto.com arena. <laughs> I, I, it's the dot com. Just take that out. We, we know it's your like, company. Just take the dot com out. Uh, I agree. I agree. It's a, it's a little bit awkward saying crypto.com. But again, if you're an internet company, you want that dot com in there, which I get. They paid a lot of money for yeah. it, but still, it's a little weird. Uh, Paul yeah. Perinello said, Trevor, should Monk start? You know, I've been on the side of. Malik Monk off the bench as your your sixth man as in that score role that microwave role that we've talked about but we haven't been seeing a lot out of Wayne Ellington and if the Lakers are going small anyway I think Monk is better equipped to take advantage of the extra spacing when the Lakers are small than Ellington is so I wouldn't hate that I think talent wise He's one of the top five players in terms of production this season he's one of your five best so yeah. if you're just looking at it in terms of merit Monk is a starter. Should he actually start on this team, or do you put him in more of a Lou Williams role, something like that? That's a discussion we can have, but I'm starting to lean more and more towards, yes, Monk should start. Yeah. Now, when is this? are we talking about like when everybody gets back healthy or with this roster a with all the help? Everybody healthy. I don't know. I, I kind of like him as that Lou Williams mm -hmm. guy off the bench to kind of be that microwavable score uh, that we kind of saw tonight, actually. Um, yeah, I'd rather have him come off the bench. I, I definitely understand why, and I agree with what you said. He's definitely, by merit, probably been one of their top five best players this season. But, yeah, man. Um. Uh, let's see. The Bird Print from YouTube said, Do you think the Lakers play, are playing too fast because they're trying to accommodate Westbrook? The Lakers... Last we looked, we're number one in the NBA in pace. Uh, LeBron championship teams don't normally play this fast. That was an adjustment, indeed, that the Lakers talked about coming into the season, that they wanted to play much faster. They wanted to get stops. They wanted to use Russ's speed. 
So yes, I do think that this is a Russell Westbrook thing. They are playing fast in order to try to get the best out of him. Uh, too fast? Maybe. I mean, that's part of the reason why their turnovers have been up there. Is they've been playing pretty fast. If they do slow down, though, I wouldn't suggest you completely take your foot off the gas and you become, I don't know, the Green Bay Packers in the NBA where you just play at an extremely slow pace. I think instead, yeah. you just, if you do go take your foot off the gas a little bit, that's okay. If you fall down to somewhere in the 5 to 10 range in the NBA in terms of pace, and by doing so, you commit fewer turnovers, that could be a net positive move for the Lakers. I wouldn't recommend completely slowing down, though. Yeah, the, I think what I mean by fast is maybe just like they want to really push the pace, which makes a lot of sense um, with Russell Westbrook. Um, but when it gets to the half court, they actually probably do slow it down a lot more. But it's a little harder to kind of go 1,000 miles per hour in the half court. Now, you can definitely can do that. But you have to get creative offensively, um, which granted, they've been more creative with Frank Vogel mm-hmm. out and Fisdale in. But, I mean, just not they're going to regress back to the means in terms of offensively, I feel. Yeah, agreed. Um, This comment comes in from Aaron MC. said, we need to run more half-court sets with an older team. So the Lakers have largely focused on defense, particularly to start the year. Their half-court offense was a lot of, hey, LeBron, go figure something out for us. And Westbrook, here, you go do something now. Okay, AD, your turn to do something. That was their offense, yeah. but we are starting to see, and you've seen this in your breakdown, Sean, we're starting to see a few more wrinkles, a few more intricate plays from the Lakers. So the hope is as the season goes on, and again, health willing, because you got to have the guys there in order to run some of this stuff. But if you get guys back, they can keep adding to their offensive playbook to the point where by the end of the season, you actually do have maybe not a super complicated offense or anything like that, but a little bit more that you can turn to than just here, LeBron, here's a high pick and roll. Go do your thing. Yeah, also, like, somebody commented, how can you run half court sets with no bigs? Ask if you don't really have to have, to have a big active to run half court sets because Carmelo Anthony's a really good screener. We saw that actually in my last uh, breakdown on Twitter. They ran uh, a set where Carmelo Anthony sets his mm-hmm. pin down. Uh, he gets a slip for an easy layup. He's a really good screener. You use him and Monk, who's another good shooter. Um, so I, I think that's a myth. But, yeah, for sure. Um, they've run a lot more half-court sets since Frank's been gone, a lot more wrinkles into the offense that, for the most part, have all been good, or at least generated an open look. One of the things, too, when we when I see people that complain that the Lakers don't run anything, sometimes they do, but what they run just gets shut down. And then people see that as, oh, they didn't run anything, and that's why they wound up with an ISO with four seconds left on, on the clock. That doesn't mean they didn't run anything. Sometimes that means what they ran didn't work. And that's a, a different discussion than them just not trying to run anything at all. There are possessions, though, where they don't try to run anything. They just kind of improvise and, and they go. Uh, just Ricky, should the Lakers hold on to Collison even though he hasn't played great? No. And I, and I like Darren Collison, but you'd have to free up. We're having the discussion with Stanley Johnson. How do you free up a roster spot for him? Are you cutting someone to keep Darren Collison? Based on what we've seen so far, probably not. Probably not. At least, but again, we've only seen a couple of games of him. Maybe he gets his legs under him eventually. The Lakers raved about how he did uh, in the offseason workouts. He was working out at at, uh, at their, their UCLA Health and Fitness Center. They were, they've were they been doing all kinds of stuff with Darren Collison, so they're very familiar with him. But based on just what we've seen so far, he's not a guy that I would be 
cutting someone, paying them to go not play basketball for you in order to hang on to, to DC. Yeah, I definitely would bring back Darren Collison. Now, could you at least have a discussion if you didn't have to worry about trying to figure out a roster spot for Stanley Johnson? I guess you could have at least a discussion. But I think unless something happens in the next, what, five days mm-hmm. now, um, there's there's little room to bring him on, especially as you're trying to you know find a roster spot for Stanley Johnson at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, what it would really come down to is, do you think he's better than Rondo? And to me, I don't. I don't think he's yeah. definitively proven that at all. Um, because it, let's say you're going to give him that role of you're going to be the kind of break glass in case of emergency point guard. Okay, but then you have to cut somebody, and then you're going to pay the luxury tax for the guy that you're coming in. You're still paying the tax on the guy that you cut. You have to be very, very clearly something that the team needs in order for the team to do that. Because the amount of money you're going to have to spend in order to make it happen. Uh, and I just don't don't see that, and especially when you're already looking at potentially doing that with Stanley Johnson, who I think does have a skill set that the team very much needs. Uh, the bir- the yeah. bird print said, I'm master locking our defense. Defense wins championship. A, w- a win is a win, but we're playing for a championship or we have lowered expectations. I think you're right. The defense wasn't great, but let's get into it. Let's get into the master lock of the night. So for anybody who's new, the way this works is we take our good friend who was on our last show, Chris, the masterpiece masters. We take his finishing hold, the master lock, and we take whatever was annoying from this game. And we put that person, that concept, whatever it is in the master lock. So chat, let us know coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. What would you like, or who would you like to be put in Chris Masters finishing hold from this game tonight? What was particularly annoying to you? And Sean, while they're firing off, I'll kick it to you. What, what would you get? You would get your master lock of the night from this game. Um, same story, different game. I'm going to go with the ball screen defense, pick and roll defense. Okay. I'm praying that when the Lakers get healthy, we get to see more of a Frank Vogel defense. This is not what Frank Vogel wants to do, guys. Like they're playing drop coverage, the exact opposite of this game he really wants to do. Uh, for pick and rolls, he kind of wants them to hedge it more often or kind of trap it, um, blitz the ball screen rather. So we're hoping we get more of a Frank Vogel-style defense, at least with the starters anyway, projecting the lineup you're looking at. It's probably Russ. Uh, you pick, honestly, any two-guard, whether it's Reeves, whether it's one of the other guys, LeBron, Ariza, AD, hoping we get more of a, or maybe even Bradley at the two, hoping we get more of a Frank Vogel defense when everybody gets back. But, I mean, so far, it's just been awful in pick-and-roll defenses. And that's why the Blazers killed us earlier in the year. Uh, they do a lot of high mm-hmm. ball screens. We play them again next week. So that's probably what our master lock is, the ball screen defense. And that's and that's certainly fair. Um, I think that their defense was particularly bad in this game. Both teams' defense was, was bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was really bad. Um, but I've got something else. I've got something else that I'm going to master lock. And my master lock, it's THT. Talon Horton Tucker. Before the game, before the game, I said, Stanley Johnson can't ask for a better opportunity. He can't ask for a better opportunity because he's, number one, he's starting. He's on a 10-day contract and he's starting on a team that needs exactly what he does, skill set wise. And he's got a defense first head coach that's going to really appreciate the things that he does. The opportunity for Stanley Johnson to prove himself is not going to get better. But I think the same was also true 
for Taylor Horton Tucker in this game. You've got a game where almost no centers played. That means the paint is wide open most of the time. And Taylor Horton Tucker, what is he good at? What is he best at? It's attacking the basket. And guess what? There was no rim protection in this game. This was a wide open game with very little defense being played. Your perimeter defenders are going to have to show out in this one because the paint's going to be open. And that's what Taylor Horton Tucker is supposed to be for this team. And again, we've talked about how young he is. But to me, this was a perfectly made situation for Taylor Horton Tucker to have a solid performance for the Lakers. And instead, he didn't start. One for four, shooting three rebounds, one assist, two turnovers, five fouls, and two points in 21 minutes. Yeah, it's also kind of telling that they're having him come off the bench in this lineup with only eight players, and he wasn't really in the lineup uh, down the stretch in that in a tight game. Today it was really more Stanley Johnson. I that's kind of telling. Uh, and does that? I mean, I don't know though. Like you and Matt, you and Chris have talked about trading yeah. THT on his high point. Uh, this is definitely not what you would want when you would want to trade THT based off his performance. Like, yeah, he's been bad, but. Yeah, it's been rough. I, that's just it, right? Because if the Lakers are going to make a midseason move, and, and you could argue that they almost have to, right? They're going to be yeah. very aggressive trying to make a move because they've got to do something to try to right the ship. Taylor Horton Tucker, they needed him playing well because he almost has to be involved in any trade that they do. They need his $9.5 million yeah. salary. And a performance like this isn't going to cause a lot of teams to come out and say, that's the guy we want. Yes, let us give you good things for that player. That in an ideal situation, in terms of game script, the way everything was working in this game was an ideal situation for Taylor Horton Tucker's skill set. And he put up two points and turned the ball over twice and was, for the most part, non-existent. I mean, he had a nice offensive rebound. And I still think talent-wise, there's something there. But the guy that we saw the first three games back looked like a completely different person than the guy that we've seen recently. And I thought this game was going to be an opportunity for him to break out of this funk or whatever. And uh, we just did not see that from him. So I think he is a, a deserving person for the master lock of the night tonight. Yeah. And I, I think he's going to have to, he's going to have an opportunity to kind of get out of his funk and they're going to need him to with all these injuries. But for his sake, he has to get out of the funk because again, as I mentioned, what happens when everybody else gets back is, if he's getting kind of limited minutes because he wasn't in that closing lineup, what's going to happen when you get Anthony Davis back, HBK's back, Ariza's back? I mean, what's going to happen then? Yeah. Yeah, that's just it. Like, right now, let's say the Lakers get Austin Reeves back. When you get that that back. Is he is THT getting minutes over Reeves? No. I certainly wouldn't. If I'm, no. if I'm the coach, I'm turning to Austin Reeves first. I'm turning to Trevor Ariza before him. Yeah. I think you could argue, and again, it's he's only two games, you'd go to Stanley Johnson first, if this is what we're going to see out of Stanley Johnson from here on out. That's not good. Uh, also, yeah. Also, so far for THT, uh, this is his worst defensive rating since his rookie year. Mm. 107.8 uh, coming off of a year where he was 104.7 from a defensive rating standpoint. Um yeah. And I think I think that we I need to be clear though. This doesn't mean I'm out on Taylor Horton Tucker. This doesn't yeah, this doesn't no. mean he has no potential. He still has a lot of he's still a very young player. He still has time. 
Um, we've talked about these players in the NBA who are playing really well now that they're not Lakers anymore. Sometimes it just takes time for young players. It just does. Some guys just take time to develop. Not everybody comes out of the gates and is instantly this star caliber player. He was a second round pick. It might just be that it takes some time. His skill set is really interesting. So again, I'm not out on him, but you can't not be disappointed by what we've seen so far this season based on the fact that the Lakers paid him to be the guy or be a guy on this team, be a real rotation player. And I think you can now make arguments that other guys should be ahead of him in the rotation. And I don't think that should be the case based on, on what the Lakers committed to him. Yeah. It's been bad. Somebody said, is THT playing bad on purpose? So he won't be traded. I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think that's, that's a factor here. I don't think that's something that, that is, um, that is in his head, but you know, I could be wrong. But again, every, everybody I've talked to about him has said he's great. He's a great kid. He works hard. I'm nothing I've heard about him would suggest that that would be something that he would do as a, a thought in his head. Um, yeah, I do have some people saying that they think THT is in his head. I think the the mental yeah. side of it has got to be a piece of this because again, he was twenty plus points. In what, two of the three games and the one game that he wasn't was like 17 points. He was yeah. fantastic those first three games back. And then it all just poof, just disappeared. Yeah, and I, I agree. It has to be something mental on a mental side. He's in his own head. Because like you said, he has a really interesting skill set, at least with this team anyway. He has to continue to develop. But he's a solid cutter. As we already mentioned, he can really finish well around the basket. And I mean, not saying he's... Uh, Kawhi Leonard, prime Kawhi Leonard, where he's going to guard the best defender. But, I mean, he's somebody who could take away a secondary option for an offense or at least mm -hmm. do his best to guard a secondary option for an offense. So he has a good skill set for this Lakers squad or at least an interesting one. But, um, yeah, I think it, he's in his own head a little bit for sure. I kind of wonder, like, if you were to send him to a team, let's say you find a trade and you send him to a team like the Rockets, like the Orlando Magic, with a bunch of young players where there's a little bit more freedom, where the pressure isn't on to win right now, could that actually be beneficial for him? I mean, you have to say yes based off of some of these other guys. <laughs> like, Brandon Ingram leaves. He's a 24-point-per-game scorer. Lonzo Ball leaves. I mean, he's played solid in New Orleans, and now he's playing great in Chicago. Um, who else? Kuz leaves. He's doing a heck of a job in Washington right now. Um I'm just saying, but Julius Frandle in, sure. in New York. I mean, it, the list kind of goes Clarkson. on and on. So, I mean, Jordan Clarkson, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, sixth man mm -hmm. of the year last year, averaging 19 points per game. Um, so, I, I think you just have to say yes. I'll just base off some of the guys that the Lakers have traded uh, for other guys in the past. Somebody asked the question, and this was one of the things I was looking at because I, I'm a fan of, of Christian Wood's game. If you were able to do a trade involving Kendrick Nunn, and THT for Christian Wood. Is that something that you do? Personally, uh, is this like in the universe of the Pistons say no to Jeremy Grant? Yes. Yeah. Let, let's, I mean, let's say Jeremy Grant. Because Jeremy Grant is $20 million. You got to stack up a couple of uh, veteran minimum guys. Let's say the Pistons say oh, we can't take on that many contracts. It's a no-go. Rockets say, hey, we're just trying to accumulate young assets. Give us a couple of seconds, THT and Kendrick Nunn. 
Um, well, the salaries definitely match up easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's intriguing, and you would only have them for an extra year, which would be next year. Um, I don't know, though. I mean, you could hypothetically, I guess, play him next to Anthony Davis, and that could solve at least some of your problems. So if AD does get switched onto a guard, you have somebody 6'9-ish that's outside LeBron that can really grab and be on the glass defensively. But I don't know. At that point, I mean, I'm going to keep throwing his name out. I know the chat last time I did did not like it. But if, if the Pistons say no, mm-hmm. I want Maxi Kleba. If the Pistons say no, again, 6'10", he can shoot it. He can actually, he's a really good rebounder, can shoot it well offensively on catch-and-shoot opportunities, and he can switch defensively onto a guard or a wing to uh, at least towards the re- remaining of the shot clock to have a good defensive stand. I'm already seeing a lot of no's right now, but <laughs> so be, I, I trust me guys. I like the, uh, I like getting Maxi Klee, but if the Pistons say no to Jeremy Grant, cause I mean, they have, I mean, Jeremy Grant's better for creating for himself off the bounce, but I mean, outside of that, they're very similar players to Maxi Klee, but on a more team friendly contract. And it would pretty much take Kendrick Nunn and maybe a Vetman guy to get That's- him. That's fair. I think he'd be an interesting fit too. Um, I, I've got some people saying that THT doesn't have that kind of value. Like that's probably true, right? That's probably true. The Rockets most likely, if they say, say "Hey, Christian Woods on the block," which by the way they pretty much have, um, that's kind of out there. I, I think they probably get a better offer. But if they were willing, I don't think it's so far off that it's completely irrational. Um, if they were willing to do something like that, I think I'd probably say yes. Um, now, again, I'm trying not to let my own bias. I really wanted the Lakers just to get Christian Wood back in the day when he was being signed yeah. and traded from the, the Detroit Pistons. I thought he's an interesting fit. Um, so that yeah. that is probably poisoning my own perception of, of him in a trade like that. But I do think it would be an interesting one for the Lakers to explore. But like you mentioned, I think the, the better fit, if you can get there, if there's any way to get it done, and I don't know that there is, but Jeremy Grant, I think, is the top of the list in terms of maybe kind of sort of yeah. realistic targets. Yeah. All right. Um, let's do a couple of more, and then we'll call it an evening. Let me see if I've got... Um, Beyond on the asking, yeah. is there a breakdown from this game that you guys will want to see, either on a player, on oh, a scheme? Because, I mean... This game was kind of rough, and I mean, it feels like you're being a dead horse about how bad the defense was. So, hoping that they see somebody else, see something outside and see. So, so yeah. So, chat, let us know. Sean's gonna work on a breakdown from this game. What specifically would you like to see him focus on in a breakdown? He's not gonna do just the entire game or something like that. But is it? you know, LeBron's high post passing? Is it Stanley Johnson's defense? Is it whatever, right? What What are some things that you guys would like to see a video breakdown on? So let us know in the chat. Um, Late game, you can roll with Russ and LeBron. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mamba Mentality from YouTube said, Dwight is a must against the Grizzlies. They have Adams. Yeah, that's what we've been talking about. Probably want to bring in Dwight Howard next game because you're going to need that size. Um, James Bell, like the King says, put some respect on his name. Yeah, look, LeBron was fantastic tonight. He was a lot of fun to watch. Seeing a lot of Westbrook bloopers. Westbrook bloopers, come on. Um, Offensive rebounds, the rust to LeBron cuts. That's an interesting one. 
Uh, offensive rebounds, do we box out? They did a better job of that in this one. Westbrook, LeBron, pick and roll offense. That'll probably be the shorter one, the shorter breakdown yeah. for social media. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Monk posters and threes. That might that might be kind of a, an interesting one. What Malik Monk does on the offensive end, and then show some of the drawbacks maybe on the defensive end. That could yeah. be interesting. Uh, Brandon Robinson said, "Hey guys, love the show. Finally got the win we needed. What moves do you see Rob making at the deadline?" I do think it's going to be more minor moves just because of the salaries that they have to stack up. The best case, the, the best salaries that you can add in are THT and Kendrick Nunn. Now, they may listen on Russell Westbrook. Well, they, they may ask some teams if they're interested. We know they asked the 76ers about a Westbrook-Simmons deal. The 76ers obviously were not interested in that. But most likely, what we're probably going to see is more of a minor move maybe they find something with THT, Kendrick Nunn's contract. Hopefully Kendrick Nunn gets back in action sometime this next month as we get into January. But I wouldn't be expecting a huge home run move because they just don't have the salaries to stack up to get to that. Ooh, that's a good super chat. Uh, let's see. Bruce Barnes, the size and spacing of a Westbrook, LeBron, Ariza, Anthony Davis, and Christian Wood lineup would be interesting. Agreed. That's that's a lot of size. I mean, there you're talking about what LeBron basically as your two, or Ariza as your two. I do wonder if like yeah. they could small, quick guards could take advantage of that. But Orlando said, "If no to Jeremy Grant, then I would do THT none and picks for Miles Turner." I think Miles Turner is an interesting target as well. Um, but if the Lakers are dead set on going small. That would go against that. But he's an interesting one. A guy that the Lakers have been connected to for a few seasons now. Yeah. Also, my other drawback is something you said in the past. Uh, the Pacers have realized that him and Sabonis don't really work well on the court at the same time. So what incentive do you have to have? I mean, again, it's a different scenario. But what incentive do you have putting him in AD on the floor at the mm -hmm. same time? Especially down the stretch. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Miles Turner, somebody mentioned Miles Turner's $18 million. Yeah, do you want to pay $18 million for a guy that you may not want to put in the game in crunch time because you're going small? And that's something we've talked about here on this show before. Uh, Born Stunna Alpha said, what if Christian Wood said he only wants to go to LA? Well, I mean, he's under contract, so it's not like it's not like he's going to be a free agent this next season, and then he would have a little bit more leeway, right? Because if, so, if I don't know, let's say since this was the team that went after Anthony Davis. Let's say the Celtics called up the Rockets and said, hey, we want to trade for, for Christian Wood. Christian Wood could just make it known, hey, yeah, you guys can trade for me, but I'm not going to re-sign with you. That's what AD did to the Celtics. They wanted to trade for him. And Anthony Davis just said, well, okay, but I'm not going to stay. As soon as I'm a free agent, I'm gone. So then they, obviously they weren't willing to give up major pieces. Uh, Christian Wood, though, still has, I believe, another year under contract after this. So that eliminates yeah. a little bit of his... Um, of his strength in the negotiation in terms of kind of dissuading teams from trading for him. He could still do it. He could still say, well, I really want to go to this team. If you trade for me, I'm going to leave as soon as I can. I wouldn't be happy. He, he can try to influence it a little bit, but it's not like he's a pending free agent either. Yeah. All right. Breakdown bronze play at 18. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> 
All right, let's do one more. One more, and then we will call it an evening. Again, nice to be able to talk about a Lakers win. Not perfect or anything like that, but still nice to talk about a Lakers win. Uh, Dustin Rigsby. Let's finish with this. Trevor, if we have to add a veteran minimum player to a possible trade deal and a team asks for Malik Monk, would you do it? That all depends on what's coming back. That all depends on, on what's coming back for sure. If it's if it's Jeremy Grant, maybe, maybe it's something listen. And you could put you could you could swap out Malik Monk with Austin Reeves. What if a team says, hey, we want Austin Reeves added in the deal? Then what do you do if you're the Lakers? And again, same thing with Malik Monk. But that puts you in a pretty tricky spot if you're the Lakers. Now, with Monk specifically, he's going to be a free agent after this season. So you could say, let's cash in, get what we can now, because we probably can't afford to pay him in the offseason. That said, he's become such an integral part to this team that you don't want to part ways with him either. So that's a pretty tricky spot. It all depends, in my mind, on what's coming back. If it's a what you think is maybe just a lateral move, but maybe a little bit of a better fit, I'm probably not doing it. I'm probably not doing it. If it's a yeah. serious upgrade, you're getting a piece that you're saying, yes, this is a guy that we're going to keep for a while. For years to come, this is a guy that we want on our team. That's where maybe you bite the bullet and you do it. Yeah. And even then, I mean, Malik Monk has been such an integral part of this roster and this team so far. He's been phenomenal for them. Um, Still, think, still biting my tongue on that one. But again, I agree. If you are getting a guy like a Jeremy Grant, who's obviously an upgrade for this roster, then I mean, yeah, you might have yeah. to do it. Yeah. Okay, everybody. Appreciate you all joining us tonight. This was obviously a, a nice to get to talk about a win. The Lakers do beat the Rockets. Uh, not a great Rockets team or anything like that. But a win, nonetheless. And we did see some fun moments out here, including some thunderous dunks from LeBron, Malik Monk as well. Saw Stanley Johnson get out there and do some good things. We saw some, some solid play from the Lakers in certain moments. We saw some bad defense on both sides. But again, the important part is the Lakers win. Do appreciate you guys joining us. Make sure that you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well. We have new Lakers content coming out every single day. You guys can follow Sean over on Twitter at Sean underscore D-A-V-I. He's doing some great Lakers breakdowns for us, so be on the lookout for those as well. And if you guys want to follow me, you can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Until next time, everybody, stay safe and see you.